My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, the story podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 112, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, 2 Samuel 7 and 8, 1 Chronicles 7 and 8, and Psalm 26. 2 Samuel 7. After the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a house of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. But that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David. This is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with tents as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all of the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed your ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the name of the greatest men on earth, and I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore, as they did at the beginning, and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies." The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you when your days are over and your rest with your ancestors. I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men with floggings inflicted by human hands, but my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, sovereign Lord, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant, and this decree, sovereign Lord, is for a mere human. What more can David say to you? For you know your servant, sovereign Lord, for the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made it known to your servant." How great you are, Sovereign Lord. There is no one like you, and there is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth that God went out to redeem as a people for himself, and to make a name for himself, and to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations and their gods from before your people, whom you redeemed from Egypt. You have established your people Israel as your very own forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. 
And now, Lord God, keep forever the promise you have made concerning your servant and his house. Do as you promise so that your name will be great forever. Then people will say, the Lord Almighty is God over Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established in your sight. Lord Almighty, God of Israel, you have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build a house for you. So your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. Sovereign Lord, you are God. Your covenant is trustworthy, and you have promised these good things to your servant. Now be pleased to bless the house of your servant that it may continue forever in your sight. For you, Sovereign Lord, have spoken, and with your blessing, the house of your servant will be blessed forever. In the course of time, David defeated the Philistines and subdued them, and he took Metheg Ammah from the control of the Philistines. David also defeated the Moabites. He made them lie down on the ground and measured them off with a length of cord. Every two lengths of them were put to death, and the third length was allowed to live. So the Moabites became subject to David and brought him tribute. Moreover, David defeated Hadadezer, son of Rehob, king of Zobah, where he went to restore his monument at the Euphrates River. David captured a thousand of his chariots, seven thousand charioteers, and twenty thousand foot soldiers. He hamstrung all but a hundred of the chariot horses. When the Arameans of Damascus came to help Hadadezer, king of Zobah, David struck down twenty-two thousand of them. He put garrisons in the Aramean kingdom of Damascus, and the Arameans became subject to him and brought tribute. The Lord gave David victory wherever he went. David took the gold shields that belonged to the officers of Hadadezer and brought them to Jerusalem. From Tabah and Barathai, towns that belonged to Hadadezer, King David took a great quantity of bronze. When Tau, king of Hamath, heard that David had defeated the entire army of Hadadezer, he sent his son Joram, the king David, to greet him and congratulate him on his victory in the battle over Hadadezer, who had been at war with Tau. Jeram brought with him articles of silver, of gold, and of bronze. King David dedicated these articles to the Lord, and he had done as he had done with the silver and gold from all the nations he had subdued. Adam and Moab, the Ammonites and the Philistines, and Amalek, he also dedicated the plunder taken from Hadadezer, son of Rehob, king of Jobah. And David became famous after he returned from striking down 18,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. He put garrisons through Edom, and all the Edomites became subject to David. The Lord gave David victory wherever he went. David reigned over all Israel, doing what was just and right for all his people. Joab, son of Zuriah, was over the army. Jehoshaphat, son of Aliud, was recorder. Jadok, son of Ahatub, and Ahimelech, son of Abithar, were priests. Sarahai was secretary, Benai, son of Jehoiada, was over the Carathites and Pelathites, and David's sons were priests. First Chronicles 7 The sons of Issachar Tola, Pua, Jeshub, and Shimron, four in all. The sons of Tola Uzi, Raphai, Jeriel, Shahamai, Ibsam, and Samuel heads of their families. During the reign of David, the descendants of Tola listed as fighting men in their genealogy numbered 22,600. The son of Uzi, Israhai, the sons of Israhai, Michael, Obadiah, Joel, and Ishai. All five of them were chiefs. According to their family genealogy, they had 36,000 men ready for battle, for they had many wives and children. The relatives who were fighting men belonged to all the clans of Issachar, as listed in their genealogy, were 87,000 in all. 
three sons of Benjamin, Bela, Becker, and Jadil. The sons of Bela, Esbon, Uzi, Oziel, Jeremoth, and Eri. Heads of families, five in all, their genealogical record listed 22,034 fighting men. The sons of Becker, Zimra, Joash, Eliezer, Elianai, Emri, Jeremoth, Abijah, Enathoth, and Elameth. All these were the sons of Becker. Their genealogical record listed the heads of families and 20,200 fighting men. The sons of Jadil, Bilhan, the sons of Bilhan, Jeush, Benjamin, Ehud, Kenan, Kethah, Tarshish, and Ahishahar. All these sons of Ajadil were heads of family. There were 17,200 fighting men ready to go out to war. The Shupites and Hupites were the descendants of Ur, and the Hushites the descendants of Eher. The sons of Naphtali, Jezeel, Guni, Jezer, and Jalem, the descendants of Bilhah. The descendants of Manasseh. Azrael was the descendant through his Aramean concubine. She gave birth to Machir, the father of Gilead. Machir took a wife from among the Hufites and Shupites. His sister's name was Makah. Another descendant was named Jelephahad, who had only daughters. Machir's wife, Makah, gave birth to a son and named him Peresh. His brother was named Sheresh. And his sons were Ulam and Rakem, the son of Ulam, Badan. These were the sons of Gilead, son of Machir, the son of Manasseh. His sister, Hamelaketh, gave birth to Ishad, Abiezer, and Malah. The sons of Shemida were Ahian, Shechem, Lekai, and Aeneam. The descendants of Ephraim, Shatilahai, Bered, his son, Tahath, his son, Eladah, his son, Tahath, his son, Zabad, his son, and Shalitha, his son. Ezer and Eliad were killed by the native-born men of Gath when they went down to seize their livestock. Their father Ephraim mourned for them many days, and his relatives came to comfort him. Then he made love to his wife again, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. He named him Barai because there had been misfortune in his family. His daughter was Shira, who built Lower and Upper Beth Haran, as well as Uzan Shira. Rapha was his son. Reshef, his son, Talah, his son, Tahan, his son, Laden, his son, Amehud, his son, Elishama, his son, Nun, his son, and Joshua, his son. Their lands and settlements included Bethel and its surrounding villages, Neron to the east, Jezer and its villages to the west, and Shechem and its villages all the way to Ayah and its villages. Along the border of Manasseh were Bethshan, Tanakh, Megiddo, and Dor, together with their villages. The descendants of Joseph, son of Israel, lived in these towns. The son of Asher, Imna, Ishva, Ishvi, and Beria, their sister was Sarah. The sons of Beria, Heber, and Machael, who was the father of Birzath. Heber was the father of Jephlet, Shomer, and Hotham, and of their sister Shua. The sons of Jephlet, Pesach, Bimhal, and Ashvath. These were Jephlet's sons. The sons of Shomer, Ahi, Ragha, Huba, and Aram, the sons of his brother Halem, Zophah, Ima, Shalesh, and Amal, the sons of Zophah, Sua, Harfer, Shuel, Biri, Imra, Bezer, Had, Shema, Shulha, Ithran, and Bira, the sons of Jether, Jephnuya, Pishpa, and Ara, the sons of Ula, Ara, Haniel, and Rizia. All these were descendants of Asher, heads of families, Choice men, brave warriors, and outstanding leaders. The number of men ready for battle, as listed in their genealogy, was 26,000.
Benjamin was the father of Bella, his firstborn, Ashbel, the second son, Arha, the third, Nohah, the fourth, and Raphah, the fifth. The sons of Bella were Adar, Gera, Abihud, Abishu, Naman, Ahoa, Gera, Shafufan, and Haram. These were the descendants of Ehud, who were heads of families of those living in Geba and were deported to Menahath, Nehem, Ahijah, and Gera, who deported them and who was the father of Uzzah and Ahuhut. Sons were born to Sharahem in Moab after he had divorced his wives, Hushim and Bera. By his wife, Hadesh, he had Joab, Jibiah, Mesha, Malcolm, Juez, Sakai, and Mirmah. These were his sons, heads of family. By Hushim, he had Ibtub and Elphal. The sons of Ephal, Eber, Mishem, Shemed, who built Ona and Lod with its surrounding villages, and Beria and Shema, who were heads of family of those living in Ajalon, who drove out the inhabitants of Gath, Ahio, Shashak, Jermoth, Zebedai, Arad, Adir, Michael, Ishpa, and Joha were the sons of Beria. Zebedai, Meshlam, Hizki, Heber, Ishmarai, Isla, and Jobab were the sons of Elphal. Jakim, Zikri, Zabadi, Elenai, Zilthai, Eliel, Adahai, Berehai, and Shimrath were the sons of Shimai. Ishpen, Eber, Eliel, Adbon, Zikri, Hanan, Hanai, Elam, Anthojahai, Ifdai, and Peniel were the sons of Shashak. Shemrashai, Sheherahai, Athelahai, Jerashai, Elijah, and Zikri were the sons of Jeroham. All these were heads of family, chiefs as listed in their genealogy, and they lived in Jerusalem. Jael, the father of Gibeon, lived in Gibeon. His wife's name was Makah, and his firstborn son was Abdon, followed by Zer, Kish, Baal, Ner, Nadab, Gedor, Ahio, Zakur, and Mikloth, who was the father of Shimeath. They too lived near their relatives in Jerusalem. Ner was the father of Kish, Kish the father of Saul, and Saul the father of Jonathan, Maklishua, Abinadab, and Eshbael. The son of Jonathan, Meribael, who was the father of Micah, the son of Micah, Pithon, Melech, Teria, and Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Jehadah. Jehadah was the father of Elmeth, Azmazeth, and Zimri. And Zimri was the father of Moza. Moza was the father of Benai. Rapha was his son. Elisa, his son, and Azel, his son. Azel had six sons, and these were their names. Azrakam, Bokru, Ishmael, Sharia, Obadiah, and Hanan, all these were the sons of Azel. The sons of his brother, Ashek, Alum, his firstborn, Jeush, the second son of Eliphelet, the third, the son of Alum, were brave warriors who could handle the bow. They had many sons and grandsons, 150 in all. All these were the descendants of Benjamin. Psalm 26. Vindicate me, Lord, for I have led a blameless life. I have trusted in the Lord and have not faltered. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind, for I have always been mindful of your unfailing love and have lived in reliance on your faithfulness. I do not sit with the deceitful, nor do I associate with the hypocrites. I abhor the assembly of evildoers and refuse to sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence and go about your altar, Lord, proclaiming aloud your 
praise and telling of all your wonderful deeds. Lord, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. Do not take away my soul along with sinners, my life with those who are bloodthirsty, and whose hands are wicked schemes, whose right hands are full of bribes. I lead a blameless life. Deliver me and be merciful to me. My feet stand on level ground. In the great congregation, I will praise the Lord. In this story in 2 Samuel, we read about David's desire for a temple in Jerusalem, a permanent house or place for God and Nathan as well, in the center of Israel's permanent central land and in the central city of that central land. If we recall, Marty Solomon and Brent Billings referring to the promised land as central economically and politically to the ancient world connecting the north, south, east, and west. If you look on a map, it's pretty cool because it connects to what we know as Europe, Asia, and Africa. So it's this really central place and then a central city and, you know, trying to put God at the center of that. What's interesting in this story is that David asks God if he can build a house for him. He doesn't just do it. And even though it felt like Nathan wanted one too, David went and asked God. And God's response is equally interesting. He basically says, no thanks. And as Dr. Mackey describes it, God instead says, I want to build you a house, a dynasty. Dr. Mackey describes 2 Samuel 7 as a key chapter, which is central to understanding the whole Bible, because God makes a promise to David that from his descendants, God is going to bring a future king that will build a temple here on earth and set up an eternal kingdom. This messianic promise is picked up in books like Psalms, for example, Psalms 2, 72, 132, and 145, as well as the books of prophets like Isaiah 11, Ezekiel 34, and Zechariah. It's also this future king that links to God's promise back that he made to Abraham. If we reflect back to Genesis 12, this messianic kingdom brings blessing to all the nations. Of course, we know this future king is Jesus and the future temple to be built here on earth. Setting up an eternal kingdom is both the church and our bodies in service to God's kingdom where heaven and earth meet and we use God's blessing to be a blessing, representing him, being and becoming a kingdom of priests, which means to put God on display, help others navigate to Jesus for atonement, interceding in prayer for the lost, hurting, and rebellious, and being prodigally generous. One side note, Azai, or Uz, who died from touching the ark in the last chapter, it seems harsh, I, I felt it too, on the first read, but for me, I try to remember the story and in the context of my knowledge and, and my faith that God is good. He is wisdom itself. He is logos, or logic itself. And God is not cruel. So when the story says this person made some sort of error. I don't know what it is exactly, but I do know God is good and worthy of my trust. And this outcome may not make sense to me in this story or context, but I continue to lean into my relationship to God with my questions and with my faith, even if sometimes it feels like a mustard seed. I would just encourage you to have your questions, to ask them. You can bring anything to God, put them before him but not to let the questions or a lack of an answer that we want or an answer at all derail us from the relationship in a good and awesome God. Oh, the names. We have one more chapter of this. 
thanks for your patience as we chronicle through chronicles. We're almost done with the genealogies, so one more chapter after this. But remember, these genealogies are emphasizing the line to and after David that leads to the Messianic king. Jesus. Then the links of the priesthood think Levitical. Remember Moses' brother Aaron and his sons, which led to the high priest, like we saw foreshadowed in Genesis 14 in the context of Abraham with the mysterious high priest king Melchizedek. Do you remember that from Genesis 14? The genealogies are connecting what was promised to Eve in Genesis 3.15 and Abraham in Genesis 12. What we saw connected and foreshadowed in Genesis 14, a high priest king who will also be a deliverer, a Messiah. This thread is just being pulled throughout the whole story. This messianic high priest king is coming, and while we participate in the story, we cannot be our own deliverer, we cannot be our own high priest, and we cannot be our own king. It's just so cool how much of the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus, the fulfillment of the promise in and through Jesus, and the new garden or the new temple through the church and individuals that make up the body of Christ as his representatives being and becoming a kingdom of priests, a place where heaven and earth touch with Jesus as the high priest king and the Messiah with us in the role he designed all along by putting God on display, representative leadership, where we hallow his name and his purpose under his laws with the empowering advocate, the Holy Spirit. As Marty Solomon reminds me, David has been showing signs of humility and putting God first. The Jewish term, Kadush Hashim, which means to hallow the name, David was committed to Kadush Hashim, honoring God's name and reputation. Remember how we talked about the privilege and responsibility of bearing God's name as given to Adam and Eve in Genesis 2, Abraham, and the people of Israel, Mount Sinai. And here, we still see the importance of this. As Dr. John Woodhouse says, the promise to Abraham is being reaffirmed and filled out with more detail. It's so cool. But we also are starting to see a little bits of human cracks in some of the things going on. I don't know if you've seen this patterned out and we'll go in more detail where, you know, the verse back in Deuteronomy, it was this warning sign, you know, the kings cannot accumulate, you know, gold, essentially wealth, horses or wives. We're starting to see that even in his conquest and plunder, he is committing, it seems to be, the things that he's being rewarded in the human sense, committing them back to God, but he has been, is accumulating quite a bit of of gold, bronze, silver, and wives, and there's some things happening. So we're starting to see there might be some cracks, but the story will only get more complicated, and there's so much to learn about God and his kingdom moving forward. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.